This episode of Things Cooks Know is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code REALSIMPLE at checkout to get 10% off. And by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a video learning service where you can find wonderful courses about cooking, history, music, science, almost anything you're interested in. Go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash cooks to get started. Sarah Humphreys, the executive editor of Real Simple, a busy stepmother of two, and an amateur cook who loves to cook but has lots of questions. And I'm Sarah Karnasevich, the food editor of RealSimple.com, a professional cook and a working mom who tries to give you all the answers. Welcome to Things Cooks Know, the weekly podcast where Sarah Kay shares insidery advice and secrets that people like me and like you can use in our own kitchens. Now, it's starting to be that time of year where you start getting these invites to that trickle in, like baby shower, wedding shower, Easter, yep. and it is officially brunch season. And we wanted to talk about brunch today. I think we may have, as usual, differing opinions <laughs> on brunch. There's I some think, overlap, maybe. I feel like brunch is sort of, it seems to be a necessary evil in life. It's like an event that people have if they don't want to have dinner, but they want to do something but in my mind, it's basically like, let's take a day, let's kill it, <laughs> and let's eat a lot and then get tired and not do anything. So I'm not super into it, but I, I do realize, like, I, I acknowledge that it's a thing and that people, a lot of people love it. And there are ways to make it easier. How do you feel about it? I, I actually really like the kind of entertaining that you're describing I don't know why we have to call it brunch. Like, why can't we just call it lunch? Why would you put a label on it? Having people, I hate restaurant brunch. I would never, ever, ever. Why you would subject yourself to going to a restaurant at brunch time Mm -hmm. on a weekend? I don't know. So I feel very. I have clarity on that subject. (laughs) The the having people over for brunch, I actually kind of like, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that might have to do with the fact that. I have like major Sunday depression (laughs) and so I feel like it's a good way to kind of pretend that like the weekend's not over and just sort of have a long lazy day of grazing. That said, I mean, just from that you can kind of gather the kind of brunching I like to do is not like white tablecloth, you know, get out the silver. Right. I think that there are ways to do it that are really easy and relaxing for everyone and that's the main thing like do not set yourself up on the last day of your weekend to like work all day that's just punishing completely because then I do think too about about the clean like all the stuff that goes into it like Mm -hmm. setting up the cleanup all that like to me like Saturday night dinner fine but then Sunday I don't know the whole idea of like my whole family has this thing about gathering on a Sunday. Like, we really can't stand the gathering on a Sunday. <laughs> like, my mom, if I call her on the phone and I ask her what she's doing for the weekend, and she'll be like, oh, we've got this, we've got this. And, oh, then the so-and-so's invited us over yeah. for something on a Sunday. I'm like, no. We have this, like, thing. But if you are going to have people over, also, why does it have to be on Sunday? It why? does not. It does not What's at all. That so, like, do it on Saturday. Right. Then give yourself a day to recover. Absolutely. So there are some elements to make this thing if you are to do it uh, and, as I mean, easy as, as possible. You, as you said, like this is kind of the season of like 
baby showers, bridal showers, Mother's Day stuff were like coming into that time of year. And it, it the whole sort of brunch thing is a good way to accomplish those tasks. So if you if you have some of those things on your plate, you may as well come up with some good strategies. Absolutely. You might as well make it easy. What about brunch? Like what how do you throw a brunch that makes it less about a production in silver and more about like a casual thing that you could actually Well, I think there enjoy. are a couple things which, you know, return listeners will notice that I like harp on all the time, which is making sure that there are some things that you can make ahead. So it's not actually like you're doing all the cooking right then and there. Um, or, and also, that's one strategy. And then not <laughs> not cooking is the other yes, strategy. Seriously. It's like, think about the things that are more about assembling rather than making every single thing from scratch. And, I mean, this sounds like the stupidest, simplest thing ever, but something I've been doing a lot lately, which is a great brunch component or just if you're having people stay with you, a good like sort of lazy breakfast thing is like a toast bar. Mm. And I mean, you know, toast is having a moment. It's no longer like sad, sad toast. And it maybe sounds ho-hum, but there's just so many directions you can take it in. And it is one of these assembly rather than cooking things. It means what do you have to do? Make sure that you have a couple of loaves of different kind of bread, of, mm-hmm. you know, different kinds of bread, really nice breads. But like it's shopping. So making right. sure you can get to a good bakery to get a couple of kinds of bread. Like I like to have one that's, you know, a little s- simpler and then one that's like a really nice nutty loaf or has some dried fruit in it or something like that. A few different styles of bread, but it should be a nice big loaf that you can slice yourself and you can either let people, you know, put the toaster somewhere that's accessible and let people do that or toast a bunch yourself under the broiler, perhaps. Oh, yes. And then the the other part of that is just like assembling a spread of things that you can put on the toast. So, Get some really nice butter. Um, this is an excuse to kind of splurge to try a few of those like fancy jams mm-hmm. in you know interesting flavors. And this is sometimes I get sent things like that at work, and right. I hoard them for this right, very reason. Right. Like <laughs> because it is I know eventually I will be able to break them out yep. you know, when my mom comes to stay or something like that. But um, it doesn't just have to be jam. You mean like a nice fresh ricotta cheese, some honey. Maybe like a big vat of Nutella. A big vat of Nutella. Is that just bad? No, 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 no. I feel like there's always someone who will wake wake up in the morning or go to the brunch and say, yes. Yes. Um, Well, that's what it should be. It should be something like a little decadent, a little special. You're not having this every morning. Um, You could put some sliced cheese and some sliced meats out if people like more savory things. What if you mashed up an avocado? Totally. Avocado toast for everyone. You could mash it up in a bowl, sprinkle some lemon juice on it, some salt, and people can just spoon it themselves. So that is easy. I mean, obviously, it's not like an elaborate sit-down brunch, but if you want to just have people over for coffee and mimosas, and and if you really pack that buffet of options— that's all People you need. People can graze for a long time. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You, that's a really good I love that idea. Another thing that's great, which maybe people don't realize is a pretty good make-ahead thing, too, is a frittata. Mm-hmm. And why? Because they taste almost as good 
cold as they do hot. And so, you know, maybe you don't want to make it days and days ahead, but you could certainly make it the night before or early in the morning and not have to be working when everyone gets there. If you make it the night before, do you put it in the fridge then? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. do you like and heat just it, let up? it I would just like take it out and let it get the chill off. I see. Yeah. So you don't heat it up again. Okay. I, I Well, personally, I like cold frittatas. Right. I even would like slice that and put it inside a sandwich or something like that. Mm-hmm. But again, that's sort of personal preference. You don't want to really cook it again mm-hmm. because you don't want it to get dried out or anything. You want okay. it to like leave, keep that nice sort of tender consistency. But, you know, frittatas are awesome because you can make them out of anything. So, you know, it's the end of the week. You're having people over. You can basically clean out your fridge with the frittata. Yep. And no one will feel like they're just your garbage disposal. And it's just like put it in like a cast iron skillet or any sort of oven Any oven-safe skillet. skillet. Or it doesn't have to be a skillet, I guess, right? No, or a pan. Yeah. But I, the, my technique for frittatas, which I think works really well, you start it on top of the stove, mm-hmm. and then you finish it in the oven. So in that case, you do need something that can go yeah. both places. Okay. But, you know, just a bunch of eggs, a little bit of some kind of dairy in there is good, whether you could do yogurt or creme fraiche or sour cream or milk, anything yeah. like that, but just kind of lighten it a little. And I've been using, like, jarred artichoke hearts lately, marinated artichoke hearts, and that's easy. I mean, it's like a pantry thing. I always well, also there's a, like built-in flavoring. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And a little bit of herbs and those, you're done. Some cheese. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Make like a it. salad, put that next to it. You're good to go. Okay. Another thing which I think seems labor intensive, but if you do a little prep ahead of time can work really well and seem fun and festive is waffles, like using a waffle iron. Uh-huh. Because you can make the batter ahead of time. You can make that the night before. And then just put that out for people to, you know, make waffles. So they should do it themselves. I say get everyone involved. I mean, if you are really, if you're a control freak and you don't want people. I should see the, like, like, batter going down the the side of the waffle iron. So, no, they don't have to make them themselves. But then just accept the fact that for, you know, 20 minutes you're going to be making waffles. And also I would say think your waffle iron has a lot of potential uses beyond waffles. Which could be kind of fun. Like, you can also make hash browns in your waffle iron. What? Yes, really crispy, delicious hash browns. All you have to do is shred the potatoes ahead of time, and you can use your food processor to do that. Squeeze the extra water out, Uh salt, pepper, smack them between there. If you think about it, it gets— Yeah, it makes sense. So oh my gosh, that's it's amazing. kind of like a, a secret use that will change your life for this kind of breakfast brunch entertaining. Okay, and you have there's one other idea that to me sounds very hard, but but it also sounds kind of fancy. Oh, poached eggs. Yes. So everyone loves poached eggs and things like eggs Benedict and all that are you know staple of brunch, but the truth is attempting to make eggs Benedict for a crowd can be a total nightmare because poaching that many eggs at once and getting them all the right temperature and serving them at the same time, yada, yada, yada. There is actually a really easy, genius way to poach up to a dozen eggs at once in your oven using a muffin tin. So here's what you do. Okay. You take, say you want to do 12 eggs. You have a 12-cup muffin tin. You put about a tablespoon of water in each of the cups. Okay. You crack your egg into it on top of that. You put the pan in a 350-degree oven, and you cook it for 12 minutes. Seriously? Yes. And when you take it out, you will have 12 
poached eggs with firm whites and runny yolks. And oh you can just scoop them up onto your English muffins and your spinach or your ham or whatever and put them on the table. Holy cannoli. Okay, I had no idea. <laughs> we have a little thing at home, like a little, um, it's really dorky. It's like a, it's almost like a double boiler, but not. It's uh-huh. like a little silicone. Oh, with a like little. Four, four cup thing. Yep. And then you put the eggs in and they come out like perfectly, you know, they look like they're like McDonald's egg McMuffin yeah. <laughs> eggs, which for better or worse. Um, but they work. It works pretty well. It's, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's a similar thing. idea, yeah. but usually you can't do more than no, we do four, four at a not time. 12. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love that. So do you have a website? <laughs> I so don't. <laughs> Wait, you're not coding? I, I'm not. I'm not yet coding. No, I know. I don't even have. I don't even have my own domain name. But you just I'm got married, didn't you? I got married like a year ago, and I did actually consider making a wedding website. And I asked my most tasteful, evolved friend that I know, who had just gotten married, and she actually recommended using Squarespace for the wedding website. And it was—it looked easy enough for even you to handle. Even me, <laughs> until I realized I just didn't have enough information to actually make a website. But hers was really, really beautiful. No, it is really great. I have been using it to update my Stone Age personal website, <laughs> the Flintstones which, website. Yeah, which was last tended to in I think about 2006 so it is older than my child and definitely needs a refresh (laughs) I would be getting nowhere if it weren't for Squarespace makes it really easy if we have convinced you that it's easy enough to build your own website and if we can do it you can do it you can start building your own website today at squarespace.com enter the offer code real simple at checkout and you'll get 10% off Squarespace build it beautiful Booze. Mm-hmm. You gotta to, have it. to drink or not to drink. That is actually there's it's not well, you know it's the not a question. <laughs> so I do think that will that will actually get me to brunch. Uh, that that's that's a co- coercion tactic to get, actually get me to a brunch. Yeah, you have permission to drink at like ten thirty in the morning, and then you feel terrible <laughs> afterwards. But anyway, who cares? So I mean, obviously mimosas are like such a classic brunch thing, mm-hmm. and then. Bloody Marys are also very classic. Yeah. But there are a couple other things that just, you know, if you don't want to be too obvious. Yeah, I would say the rule of thumb with brunch drinks is you want to think a little bit on the lighter side because it is day drinking. Yes, it is. (laughs) And you might be doing it for a few hours. So you want something that you can, you know, sip without falling on your face (laughs) within the first 45 minutes. So that makes it a really great time for things like spritzes. You know, like the classic Aperol spritz is a great brunch drink. That's just the the Italian liqueur Aperol. Yeah, the delicious and gorgeous orange So, liqueur. so pretty. And it kind of looks sunshiny. Oh, so beautiful. And some sparkling wine. And then you top it with a soda water. I wouldn't say that's super light, though. It's it pretty. Tastes I mean, light. It tastes light. <laughs> now, I mean, if you drink six of them, you're right, still going to be right. in trouble. But... You know, it's a big glass. A lot of ice. It's a lot of ice. It's not heavy on the alcohol. It's just wine. And Aperol is not a a really strong liqueur or anything. So it's, you know, it's not like a vodka tonic or anything. (laughs) And then another version of that uh, is like a, a lighter Negroni. You could do the same thing. It's like Campari instead of Aperol Mm -hmm. and... And sparkling wine and soda and a little orange twist. It's really good. I, I confess delicious. I've been having a lot of those lately. <laughs> Pims is another sort of classic 
springtime brunch oh, I love kind pims. of drink. Very British, and you can garnish it with fruit, and it's often cut with lemonade, and that's great. You can make it in a big pitcher, and everyone would love that. And again, it's a low, a lower alcohol mm-hmm. mixer, which you cut with soda water and juice and things like that. So it's it's not going to you know put anyone face down on the table. I think Bloody Marys are great, and there's always going to be someone who wants a Bloody Mary. Yeah, the salty versus sweet. Yes. Yeah. And I think that um, there are a lot of ways to kind of, like, upgrade the average Bloody Mary that are kind of fun to play around with. It's great to make your own Bloody Mary mix just with, like, canned tomatoes. Like, you can just crush your own. So it doesn't necessarily have that, like— you know, supermarket tin can or, you know, glass bottle, Mrs. T's, I don't know, whatever it is, mix taste. And you can kind of season it to your own taste with whatever spice blend you like. I really like my Bloody Marys with either gin or aquavit rather than vodka because I think that they just have like a little herbal quality that complements all those savory flavors of the Bloody Mary. Yeah. Um, So I think that's worth trying. Especially you don't tell people. Sometimes people are like weird about gin. Yeah. If you don't tell them that it's gin and you just give it to them, they're going to be like. Some people have had bad experiences with gin. Yeah. But trust me, like. Just, PTSD. Yeah. Surprise them and they'll be like, oh, what is this? This tastes so good. And yeah. like, ha, 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 it's gin. <laughs> um, and I also think that putting some orange juice and some lemon juice in your Bloody Marys takes it a long way. I mean, you don't want it to be like half. Right. But it gives it this sort of like more complex, rounder flavor. Okay. It's kind of like sangrita. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want one of your Bloody Marys. I also think the cool thing about Bloody Marys, if you're going to do them for brunch, it's just like the frittata. You could kind of clean out your fridge. Yeah. There's this restaurant right near where we go up to Massachusetts called the Prairie Whale, which I think like has become sort of well-known for the Berkshire area. And they do a really, really amazing Bloody Mary. And they just jam so much stuff in that thing, most of which you don't consume, but like a huge sprig of rosemary, like a bunch of water of, um, I guess, watermelon radishes thinly sliced, Yum. obviously some carrots. Like, But every day you go there, because I get them almost every yeah. time I go, <laughs> they have like just a, it's a, a different produce variety. And I think that, you know, you could literally go in your fridge and be like, oh, there's four le- leftover carrots. Yeah. Like done. You could go crazy with the garnishes. Yeah. And I think people can feel okay about having Bloody Marys because they're kind of just like food. I mean, it's it's like... It's just a side dish to the rest of the bread. Food with gin. Yeah. One of the things I love about cooking is that you're always learning. I feel like when I'm in the kitchen, no matter how long I've been doing it, I'm always learning something new. And like so many of you, when it comes to food and cooking, I'm always looking for the next great tip and the next great idea. And so I can tell you about it, too. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about this new video learning service, The Great Courses Plus. Have you heard about it, Sarah? I have just heard about it recently, and I know that they have courses on everything, history, art history, sciences, and they also have courses on cooking. Yeah. And there's one course I really want to tell you about. It's called The Everyday Gourmet, Rediscovering the Lost Art of Cooking. They cover a lot of things that we talk about here, everything from great tips on cooking tools to instructions about how to prep different ingredients new recipes to try, different cuisines to explore. 
It's really great, and it's taught by you know, real deal chefs, people who have come out of the Culinary Institute of America and have years and years of experience under their belt. And now The Great Courses Plus is offering a chance to stream hundreds of their courses, including The Everyday Gourmet. That's a $235 value for free when you use the special URL. So go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash cooks. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash cooks. Okay, three easy brunch menus for Easter and beyond. Yes, so we came up with three. One is, you know, I would say more traditional meat, potatoes, side, and one's vegetarian and one is all gluten-free. Okay. Um, so, like, there's something for everybody. And they're all pretty but not fancy. I mean, okay. Really, like but, anybody. But can these do are this. these are like a little bit stepped up from what we've just been talking about, right? We yeah. This say, is like, not a toast bar in here. Right. This is like a sit down meal, which is why they're great for Easter. Yeah. Or some other like or like a bridal shower or something. Too. Exactly. Okay. But this is not like days in the kitchen right. preparing. Okay. So for the traditional one, uh, instead of doing, a, you know, everyone thinks of like an Easter ham. That's kind of like the classic roast. Yes. We took that down a notch made it a little more casual and fast, and we decided to do a pork tenderloin instead, which if you're not making pork tenderloin, start, because it's one of the easiest cuts to work with. Uh, it's fairly impossible to screw up. You can make it on a weeknight in mm -hmm. 35 minutes, and it tastes great, and there's tons of directions you can take it in. Leftovers are great, non-sandwiches, everything. Okay. And... For this, what we the way we kind of dressed it up is we rubbed the tenderloin with like a coffee crust. So you, you like combine espresso powder, some sweet paprika, some hot paprika, some brown sugar, salt, pepper. You rub that all over. Two tenderloins will – each tenderloin is usually like a pound to pound and a quarter. So if you get two tenderloins, it should serve for six if people don't eat a lot. Oh, so they're not big. They're not big. They're like if they're they're maybe ten inches long and a couple three inches in diameter. Okay. Yeah, this is not a, a big loin. This right. is like the little tenderloin. A little loin. Yeah. And anyway, you rub that all over. You sear it in a pan on all four sides, and then you transfer it to the oven and you cook it for you roast it for like thirty minutes. Okay. And it's done. And it's done. It's done. It's perfect. Okay. And you slice it up into little medallions. And we serve that with a skillet hash brown. So sort of like a big round, really in the style of like a Swiss roasty. Mm -hmm. um, oh, so I you love can like those. slice it into wedges yep. and a beautiful, colorful, crunchy grapefruit and radish salad. And it looks amazing. Everything complements each other. You've got like the kind of tender, meaty tenderloin, the really crunchy potatoes, and this tart, bright salad on the side. That sounds incredible. Great. And none of it takes more than twenty-five minutes to thirty minutes each. Yeah. Okay. And while you're and you can can you do the pork and the um, potato at the same time in the oven? You can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so then the second one is our vegetarian one, which contain it. What it is is a savory strudel is basically what we made using puff pastry, frozen puff pastry, which I'm obsessed with. And I actually think 
no matter what you're making, it's an all-around brunch and entertaining hero. Like, always have frozen puff pastry in your freezer. In your freezer yeah. And you will be able to come up with something to make that will look impressive and actually took you 12 minutes. Okay. And this is just, you make, we, we did a little fancy version by braiding the puff pastry before Jeez we <laughs> before we baked it, which is easier than it sounds. But you don't have to do Maybe that. I could get my stepdaughter to do that. She loves you to braid. You could do the braid same hair. thing unbraided. <laughs> but you just roll out the puff pastry uh-huh. thin. You fill it with a mixture of sautéed mushrooms and herbs and ricotta cheese. You fold it up. You brush some egg wash all over it. And you bake that, and then you serve it in slices. Oh, yeah, that sounds delicious. You can't go wrong with that. It's really, really good. And then we served that with some quick-cooked leeks and asparagus, Mm -hmm. just kind of um, quick-steamed so they're tender, with a vinaigrette and capers and hard-boiled eggs. Oh my on gosh, top. these brunch menus are ridiculous. I mean, they do I have they do sound easy, but I I feel like you would blow people out of the water by serving them this. Yeah, well, I'm telling you they look really impressive, yeah. but they will not the whole thing, the whole process will take you under an hour. Okay, so let's do the gluten-free one. And then the gluten-free one <laughs> Don't make that noise. You, no one will be sad-faced when they see this. Okay. It's um just a variation on classic baked eggs. Uh, basically, you have a you take a big skillet again, an oven safe skillet, a cast iron pan works great here. You saute some sausage in it, you brown it. So you're going to take sausage out of its casing and kind of crumble yep. it up and brown it. Okay. Then you stir in some crushed tomatoes, herbs, cook it down a little. You add some white beans. Can is fine. Just strain them, stir them in there, and. So you're kind of making a sauce out of all of that, and then you make some hollows in that sauce. You crack in your eggs, and you put it in the oven, and you bake until the eggs are set. And okay, it's amazing. It Serve that with some garlicky roast potatoes and some wilted kale salad. Boom, you're done. Oh, my gosh. All right. Everyone loves you. I have to say, like, I, you know, having been such a naysayer, I have to say this time you've, you have managed to— Almost convinced me I'm that so I'd want to have people over for brunch. And I that's like, like it a when, big I, deal when I do my job. Yeah, yeah. The Humphreys are really anti. So thank you so much to Sarah Kay. And thank you so much today for joining us for Things Cooks Know. We'd like to thank our producer, Kristen Meinzer, our engineer, Zach Dinerstein, and our editor, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe on iTunes. And for a million more great cooking tips and tricks, plus the brunch recipes, head to realsimple.com. If you have topics you'd like us to cover next time, you can tweet them to us at Sarah P. Humphreys or at S.Q. Karn. We'll be back next week. 